Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Thank you for starting part of your Sunday morning with us here on the radio if you're listening live or spending part of whatever day it happens to be if you are listening via podcast. There's more and more places to to do that these days, to listen to shows on podcasts. Whatever your favorite podcast, boy, I can't get the marbles out of my mouth this morning podcast platform you prefer you can but if you don't have one you prefer i would encourage you to maybe check out sermon audio uh, all of the faith debate shows end up making their way over to sermonaudio.com uh, under the household of faith in christ um, um portion of that website also put them all on odyssey.com so those are places you can definitely find and of course wfmd.com that should go without saying this is uh, the faith debate on news radio 930 wfmd i'm troy skinner i'm the host of the show for in our 20th year if you can believe it and uh, the pastor of household of faith in Christ online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Joined this week by Daniel Rasvi. He's uh, with a house church in the Thurmont area and uh, part of a, a ministry that started years ago by his, his father Imran, known to his friends as Raz, called the uh, Conquered by Love Ministries online at conqueredbyloved.org. Uh, David Forsey, he's a pastor in the area as well, a multi-location church that, that meets all over the place, mostly in uh, Washington and, and Frederick counties, but uh, even in West Virginia. And uh, I don't know if he's met in Singapore just yet, but um, only, only one place at a time, Troy. Oh, one place at a time. Right. Just, just, just to be clear, this isn't multiple locations all. In, you know. Okay, you have multiple campuses. <laughs> so every every week he meets somewhere else, and maybe <laughs> after after this week's show, maybe he'll start doing some shows in Singapore or in China somewhere. Because we are joined by uh, Moses Fu, I believe, is uh, the name that I was given. Right. I'm, I'm going to guess you gave me an Anglo, uh, anglicized version, an easy to pronounce version of your name. No. Yes, Moses Fu, F-U, yeah. yeah. Is that how people in Singapore know you as well, or do you have a more exotic-sounding name? Yes, people usually call me Moses. They do, okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, you're here visiting the United States. Um, I overheard a little bit as we were getting ready in the studio to learn something about how American companies that try to do things in a Christian way, how they do things so you can take that back home with you. Is that the idea? Did I catch that right? That. Yes, that's right. Uh, it's in 2017. That is my first visit to U.S. because my church pastor, Jerry, uh, he bring uh, 20 people. Uh, that this group is uh, Chinese Christian and uh, entrepreneurship people. So, Pastor Jerry have a vision that uh, U.S. have uh, a very uh, traditional and original teaching in biblical way to run business and also uh, a lot of uh, resources spiritual uh, universities Christian universities and also some uh, organizations so he want to bring the people come to experience to learn that's the best way to learn mm-hmm. to on the spot and meet the people and uh, ask a question on the spot how they run business in Christian way especially like uh, chicken filet it didn't open on Sunday mm-hmm. so it's a miracle that big the McDonald's and the uh, uh, KFC for the single uh, single shop uh, uh, inter- uh, the the uh, the rate mm-hmm. uh, yeah so so it's a good uh, chance for them to learn at the, this platform so every year we were run this ministry yeah okay but after COVID we didn't recover yet yeah. Well, I'm glad you can learn some things from them because we have nothing to teach you here. We're going to be asking you a lot of questions so we can learn uh, from you. So you live in Singapore now. Yes. And you also spent some time living in China, is my understanding. Yes, my parents still live in China. They still do. So yes. how long ago did you leave China for Singapore? Uh, 20, in 2003, 
So oh, it's so going it's to 20 ago. years. 20 years. Okay, yeah. and you're a, young, you're a young man. So you, you were you a child when you moved to Singapore? 20 years. Well, I was 20. How, do you mind my asking how old you are? So 40. You're for, does he look 40 to you? <laughs> Goodness gracious, I got to get some Singapore sun. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So half Singapore, you look, half China. You look like you're 30 yeah. max. Seriously. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, pop quiz. What do you know about Singapore? David, Daniel. <laughs> Singapore's in Asia. Uh, yeah, like in like, Indonesia, oh, kind of, right? It's close to Malaysia, right? Yes. And yes. they have several languages that they speak: yes. Mandarin, or and English, and mm. Malay, and Tamil. Uh, right. Excellent. Well, how many of those do you speak? Um, I, I speak English, um, Mandarin, and some a little bit Malay. Uh, yeah, so Indian, Tamil, I'm not very familiar, yeah. Hmm. I don't speak any, not fluently, <laughs> anyway. It's a multi-culture <laughs> society. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the show, right? That's, I have ample evidence that I don't even speak English well. That's pretty cool. So what's the main language in Singapore? Official language, working language is English. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. That's because of the British influence, I guess, from over the years, right? Cause um, not only, because the founding father of uh, Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew that uh, feel that uh, every people should have the common language because we have different ethnic groups. So if we all use our native language, that will be very hard to work together. So he forced the nation to have one common language. At that time, Western countries are developing economic very fast. So English is the first choice. So everybody... And even he closed down a lot of Chinese schools in Singapore to let the people to learn English. So that's a significant difference from China, I would imagine. What are some of the cultural differences between Singapore and China? Uh, all right. Uh, what's the uh, differences? I think uh, Singapore is a miracle because previously they are a fish village. But Lee Kuan Yew, as a founding father, set a very clear target to to set the people united together. Um, even though they were from different uh, countries, but we have a common dream that to build Singapore become a better living place. So it's called racial harmony. Hmm. Racial harmony means every religion be respect, every uh, language and culture be respect. If you walk into Singapore, every town councils will have one church, one Chinese temple, one Muslim uh, temples so we respect each other that's uh, racial harmony in in Singapore I think you said it started out as a, like a fishing village is that mm. I understand that correctly so that makes sense it's like an island nation right mm. and it's it's my understanding is there's a lot of people in a very small amount of space yeah and so what is that similar to like what people would experience in Japan maybe what's something uh, like is it like the inner part of New York City or something like what, what does it feel like the population density, what does it feel like to live there? Um, in the Asian year of Singapore, uh, people call it Gangbong Village. Gangbong means it's more like uh, American culture's uh, um, old tradition that uh, people were living together as family. So the neighborhood relationship was very close to each other. They would share food. They won't close the door at the night. Nobody was thief, be the thief to st steal your things, everything like peaceful. That kind and it's of, like that now? No, now it's different. Oh. <laughs> now it's totally different because after government building the uh, the 
houses to everybody, then all the fish village disappear. Then people start to be more uh, privacy and uh, follow the Western cultures. The individualism come out. Mm. So this kind of uh, uh, community life slowly um, cannot say disappear, but uh, lesser influence. Now, what has brought about the, the the growth to make it so big and so highly densely populated? Has it just been lots of babies, or has it a lot of people from other parts of the world have moved to Singapore? It's the immigration uh, countries. That's that is why I'm uh, living there for twenty years because I. Um, Join the education system in Singapore uh, as uh, polytechnic students. Even though those knowledge, I already know those math, uh, physics, I already learned from the high school. But uh, in order to get a better job and better life, I ch I get a chance to join Singapore and get the um, green card in Singapore and get married in Singapore. And they signed the contract with me to some way of scholarship to support my uh, school fees. So they, uh, they occupy my six years working there. After six years, I got child, I married there. So we were living there naturally. So that is a way of Singapore government attract foreign talents to living in Singapore. Now, the, the foreign talents that have moved there, do, do most of them look kind of like you? Are they mostly Indonesian and Asian, or is it Europeans and Africans and people from the Americas as well? How mm. cosmopolitan does, because you mentioned the diversity and everybody trying to get along and stuff, and that's yes. a big challenge in this country, as I'm sure you know, and a yes. lot of that's driven by the way people look. You know, people who have uh, darker skin, lighter skin, you know, different looking eyes, different looking noses. It causes all sorts of problems in this country. Do you have that in Singapore or everybody kind of looks like they might be Asian of some variety? Yeah, there's one million uh, Chinese mainline uh, background people there. Okay. The overall um, one million population like what, is like six, five, six million maybe? Yeah, six million. So one over six is okay. from mainline China. Okay. But uh, overall, the Chinese group is 76%. Why China, uh, Singapore government want to um, allow so many mainline China people immigrate? It's because they want to keep this society and the country a uh, high percentage of Chinese. It is because Singapore independent from Malaysia is because Malaysia government uh, actually uh, is a Malay government. They will put Malay people first. That's why they they scare about the power of Singapore. That Chinese group is so high percentage to influence back to the Malaysia, to unite other states of Malaysia. You wouldn't think they'd be that worried. You're only six million people. But they have over a billion people, for, I think, in China. Singapore. <laughs> yeah, they just. Let Lee Kuan Yew to be independent. Not actually, original plan is he want to join the Malaysia Union, but they be rejected. So Singapore independence is forced to have to. It's not no choice because they're not accepted by the Malaysia Union. Well, I don't know about you guys, but to me, Singapore is quite a bit more cosmopolitan than I would have guessed. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and uh, the, the 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 diversity it seems like it might mostly uh, be more cultural and religious diversity as opposed to what we would think of as ethnic diversities uh, in an American context. That's my guess. I had to look it up on a map to refresh my memory. Apparently, Singapore is it, it's kind of sort of halfway between Australia and China, right? It's, <laughs> it's kind of a way of, of thinking about where you'd find it on a globe uh, somewhere. And it's just a dot. If you find a, an actual globe, like if you have one in your house, it spins and you try to find it's just a dot on the globe. It's it's really small, six million people there. So it's like a it's like a floating city, right? Yes, yes. 
many people in and out. But during COVID nineteen, um, many uh, investment coming to Singapore because they trust the financial and uh, the 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 Singapore government because uh, the they very good in anti uh, anti corruption. Yeah, okay. government have very high pay. And, and they the, use and this the, way to anti-corruption. And the government is parliamentary, I understand. Is that right? It's a parliament? Yeah, yeah parliament. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so kind of modeled after the uh, United Kingdom, the, yes, the British yes. government? Yes, they follow that way, yeah. Okay, so that gives us some toehold of understanding some of the cultural and political yes. things. Yes. So now I want to trans transition into the things we mostly were thinking we'd be talking about on the faith debate, and that's the faith things. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that in Singapore, most people aren't Christian. Right. It's 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 not like microscopic, but it's most people would be like probably Buddhist, Hindu, something like that. Muslim. Right. Or, or even Muslim. High, yeah. high percentage, but uh, not that high. I think it's uh, around around five percent to seven percent is faithful Christians, but it's growing. Yeah, it's growing. faithful Christians. Yeah, faithful Christians. Well, that's a higher percentage we have yeah. in America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the word faithful in front of Christians and to the, the percentage plummets yeah. <laughs> in, in this yeah, country plummets, anyway. Plummets. Yeah. All right, so the, the mix of those who are Christian, they would be, I guess, the, the kind of mix we see everywhere else, Roman Catholics, Lutherans, Anglicans, yes. Methodists, like all, all yes. sorts of... all different denominations. They have mm -hmm. own... Uh, church system and yeah. what faith tradition best describes what your background or your current belief system okay is? we are a church group are very special in Singapore because we are immigrants so we build this church uh, by our pastor that they think that Chinese people have Chinese cultures but if we join any denomination in local Singapore church we don't get fulfill our needs in our Chinese culture way so they feel that we need to stand up to build up Chinese culture church, to especially for Chinese groups, that especially from mainland China. Yeah. Hmm. So we call it independent immigration church right, as right. our, yeah. Now uh, that feels like that identity. could be a whole rabbit uh, trail to go down. I'm making a note about that so I can follow up. But in the meantime, we're a little past halfway through this episode and Daniel and David haven't had almost any chance at all to speak. So you have any questions or thoughts you want? Well, I, I did want to follow up with uh, asking what you mean when you say faithful mm. Christians. Right. How are you defining that, meaning that? Uh, okay. <laughs> faithful means uh, we really know they'll be saved. They uh, follow the teaching of the Bible. Yeah, they uh, attend the church regularly. Uh, it's not just uh, title Christian. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So they're actually attending with regularity. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't. I don't know what the percentage are in this country. Do you know? I I don't know, but I would not say it's that high. Yeah, I don't think so. I would, I, <laughs> I would say maybe even almost half of Americans would call themselves Christian if you asked them. Yeah. But. If you then you ask what do you mean by that, most of them don't go to church at all, or even the ones that do, they think that they're saved because they go to church because they don't understand the gospel. So there are very few. Um, it's it's interesting if six in ten Americans might identify as Christian, let's say, and even five percent of them are faithful Christian. Compare that as a percentage of those who identify as Christian as being faithful. It's much smaller than what's described in Singapore, where let's say it's you know I don't know. 20% are, are Christian, but 5 to 7% of the population are faithful. Well, 5 to 7% of 
you know, 15 to 20 percent of the population is pretty good percentage compared to here. So that's it's interesting. I I, I want to maybe dive down into that a little bit and maybe see if we can figure out why that might be, because that's that's uh, it seems like those who identify as Christian where you are are maybe three times as likely to be faithful in, in America. Apparently, it, um, the only about Google, according to Google, according to Pew Research, actually, okay, half of people who identify as Christians uh, attend church at least once a week. So if they say they're Christian, only half of those people are even attending church regularly. By regularly, they're saying once a, once a week once a is week. regular or once a month is regular? Once, that's, they're saying once a week out of the people that say they're Christians. But like we've talked about mm. on the show before, many of them could not describe the gospel to you if you... Absolutely. If, yeah. If you, if you ask. Yeah. And that's the difference. What Moses seems to be saying is that the, these people that are faithful Christians, they actually do know the gospel. That's why they're attending church, because they want to learn more, but they're very sure that they're saved. Yeah. Well, I want to share some testimony that uh, I experienced in Singapore because I'm the um, overseas students in Singapore to study first. And my wife also, same situation. She going to a nurse scholarship. Um, they have Befriender a program running by the local Singapore church. A Befriender program? Yes. Means they have one family will take care a few overseas students, maybe from China or from other countries, Myanmar. But my wife is taken care about by one family that very faithful. And uh, throughout the years, they never mentioned what the job they do. She know that when she moving house, they were driving the car and help her to carry those heavy things from level up with, without the lifts. So you say take this, care of. This yeah. isn't like what you hear about sometimes in the States where you're going to sponsor some family and all that means is you send a donation every month, right? Mm -hmm. This is they're actually involved in the life. They're helping to yes, carry heavy yes. furniture, for example. And also invite some family meetings to let them sit down with their children together to have dinner, have some sharing, what difficulties you're having in mm. the school, in their life. They can offer help. That's Befriender Families Program. Then slowly this relationship build up. They will invite they will invite them to the church and preach the gospel to them that in the natural way because you have relationship. It's not rushing to, you must trust. Because we have culture shock. We didn't educate in mainland China that God created this world. We believe the evolution, that we're from monkey. So if you directly to teach a mainland China student, God created us, God loves you, we were culture shock. We were stuck there and don't know what are you doing and saying. So they will do this kind of relationship. So this befriender up. program isn't not specifically for Christian, might even be specifically for not Christians. Like somebody moves to Singapore and they, they need some help and the church contacts them somehow. They are targeted to those, uh, those potential Christian people that to want God. to... And then they say, we, we would like to be of yeah. service to you as a church. We've got yeah. a family that would be able to help you yes. move and learn they the area. They are selected already in the church, that faithful and uh, mature Christian. They, they may be elders. They may be some leaders, cell group leaders in the church. They, they have very mature and a stable uh, car, uh, marriage and uh, uh, f uh, peaceful family lives. And does it matter if the family is already Christian or not? Like if they're already Christian, say, oh, yeah. just come to our church. Like, yeah. is it is it targeting non-believers mostly? Yes. Is that what it's Target for? non-believers. Interesting. Mm. Interesting uh, idea. Yeah. You guys have any, uh, quite, I, I dominated this show, but I'm just trying to lay the background. You guys have any 
We have about, uh, I don't know, three or four minutes left in this episode. We can sneak in a question before we so go that, off with some that, rabbit Is trails. that how you uh, came to Christ also? Through that? You said your wife experienced the Befriender program. But you were you in that program too? Uh, there's, uh, there's one uh, of my uh, lecture, um, overseas student uh, department uh, teacher that invited me to watch a movie, that uh, Passion of Christ. They're very uh-huh. famous. And uh, I get some crying, but I don't understand that much. But I have very uh, deep impression about uh, this Jesus. So one year later, another student uh, activity, she invited me to attend again. She's a local Singapore faithful Christian. So I don't know he, he she pray and uh, helping those students say, also invite me to some different families. Yeah. This so Passion of the Christ? Yes, this Passion of Christ. Mel Gibson. Mel, Mel Gibson, yeah. So there's one sharing she invited me that uh, the, the, the student leader saying that they go to the mission trip. That's the first time I hear this term mission trip. What's that? He say he go to those uh uh South Asia Asia countries um to Give to help building house to give some Christmas gifts, everything, and uh, he reflect back our life in Singapore that many people complain about uh, uh, some facilities in the school or campus. He said those things is small things, but when I go to there, those poor people and needed really didn't take care of. That is more meaningful things we do. So that really enlightened me that I want to know why. What's the motivation you have to do that? Kind of things which I never do before, so he he shared with me after the session, and he invited me to the church. So I I get in uh, uh, deeper or uh, attracted by him because he said, "Do you think that evolution is correct? If evolution is correct, the human being, a human health should ever be better person, better way, more healthy." But how come this world has become more corrupted and our body health is even worse? So I never think about these things. So she, then he added on, if you want to know more, please come to my church. That our pastor is from mainland China. He's Peking University and his wife is from Tsinghua University. That is most famous two university in China. So I said, wow, this kind of intellectual person become church leader. So. Well, you know, know what we're hearing here on the show today is what is, we've only heard about and talked about but never seen is the church is growing in Asia, even though it's dying in the yes. West. And we're seeing some example of how that is and why that is. We're going to pick this up on next week's show. We're going to talk about that Chinese culture church thing. That caught my ear. We'll talk about the general status of the church in China and in Singapore because Moses Fu is in a position to help us understand that and, and uh, see how it relates to the government, particularly maybe the, the Chinese Communist Party-led government on mainland China and some other issues as well. Uh, Daniel Rasby and David Forsey on the show as, uh, as normal on this show as well. Thank you guys for being part of it. And in the corner over there, uh, we got... Uh, Imran Raz Razvi is feeding us some stats and data from Google and Pew Research. We appreciate that. Anyway, (laughs) till next week, God bless.